1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the long and winding railroad. This is the uh, what month is this? Is this May? Is this May? <laughs> this is the month of May. This is the month of May. This is the May edition of the long and winding railroad. You have to forgive me. Um, ever since last month, it's been kind of a whirlwind here at the the long and winding railroad headquarters. And uh, joining me on this episode. Uh, who could I follow Eddie Kingston with? But with one of Eddie Kingston's biggest fans, and that's uh, Richard Benson, a.k.a. Benno. Venno, how are you, sir? I'm
2: good, man. I, I felt like you needed the come-down match, you know? You needed the, uh, the cool-down after having the, uh, the big Eddie Kingston appearance. So I will take it personally, but, you know, I... I, I honored honored to be on the same show as eddie and absolutely love that show and the uh the video you guys put up on youtube so yeah feeling uh feeling nervous about uh, following that but you know I think we'll do our best.
1: Uh, the, yeah the way i look at it and this is me being honest is like this is i look at this as like this is a role i'm on a role with mm. with from 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 eddie kingston to you, and then hopefully next month is is going to be the first appearance on the show of John Pollock. That's that's the plan. So, oh, definitely the cool down then. Yeah, hundred no, percent. No, no. You you are also part of the the, the momentum of, of of that as well. And then uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens after John next month in July. But I got a special plan for that that episode. It's going to be a special episode. But yeah, I, I'm excited to have you on. I, I think it's been a while since uh, you and I've done actually like a one on one podcast. I, I did make a. You know, as of this recording, I did make a special <laughs> appearance uh, on on your show over at Graffel on the spotlight pre show, and uh, I, I I I hope that went well. I hope Matty Edwards was a uh, was pleasantly surprised by <laughs> that <laughs> was yeah.
2: so funny. Like Matty is like one of my, my dearest friends, and he's he's new to the the podcasting world. So to him, like you're a, you're a huge celebrity.
0: I used to watch me, you know, I
2: you know I hold you in uh, in high esteem, even know. though we are good friends, you know. But like he was we didn't tell him that you were coming on to uh, to confront him and uh, and challenge him on his horrific views about Randy Orton and Edge and uh, the the fact that he thinks WWE is good in general uh, but yeah you too like it's it's all colliding that i never expected to happen WH park and matty going back and forth But i think we found out that you've got more in common than uh, yeah. the people
1: might expect and yeah, maybe we can try to get him into like good wrestling like you know all japan for wrestling from the nineties <laughs> or something, you know? Or something something <laughs> yeah, that'd be so much fun. But
2: well, he's open-minded because he's he's yeah. very much a, a WWE fan, but he you know he will watch indies, he watches territory stuff. Japan is a bit of like, yeah, I don't think it's it's something he's hugely got into it in general, but I, I think you could educate him. I think he's he, good he up, needs a, a the piece. right
1: compilation uh D V D set I think because I know yeah, he's just still a big uh, yeah his big uh me- physical media person as as am i like if you if anyone's ever seen my my collection of, of burned dvds uh mm-hmm. it's it's quite extensive uh i i do miss the crazy max forums i have to say um <laughs> but uh, i do want to say before we get started but i i want to i want to thank
2: sorry uh, before anybody. we go on I've, i just wanted to say I, I was gifted by one of our grapple patrons uh, a physical dvd uh here mate i thought me and you could maybe review it one day uh def- gladiators of new frontier the, uh, the death match compilation feels like something for, might be might be for,
1: right up your street for fmw <laughs> yep <laughs> Listen, is, just... there, is there any hayabusa or masato tanaka or mike awesome on that masato tanaka versus
2: mr pogo cactus jack versus kanemura um uh, everything else is uh, is not listed but there you go that's enough that's a selling point gladiators in there mike awesome he's on the show
1: and it does dan the mouth of the commentary on that I believe he does. Yeah, his yeah. name's. Uh, <laughs> yep, his name's at the bottom. <laughs> I remember. I remember hearing about when he would get flown over to. I think to to California, to maybe to Los Angeles to. To record those for uh, for the uh, the company that that made those DVDs, so that was always a cool thing. That oh, mm. I know who commentator know on these uh, you know these things are, but uh, but yeah. Before we get started, I just want to thank uh, I do want to thank Eddie Kingston for appearing mm. on last month's episode. It was our our most watched episode, and uh, kind of like kind of made our debut here on the YouTube gimmick. For the long and winding railroad doing video so uh from here on in we're gonna we're gonna try to do this video as much as possible um thanks to all the people who like gave so much positive feedback and, and retweets of of that show and uh it, it was really helped contribute to that to the popularity of that episode also our our new um revised version of the long and winding railroad t-shirt um sales of that were, were were so amazing and we got to donate uh like a, 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 a a sizable amount to both the uh, Japanese Red Cross and to Doctors Without Borders uh, in Canada and with uh, with a lot of tourists of that was that money going towards relief in in the Ukraine, which is uh, really a, a, a part of the world that really needs as much help as it can get for the people there? So, thank you to everyone who's, who's bought a t shirt, who's retweeted, supported that episode and, and the shirt. And uh, yeah, you know what? You can still still buy the shirt; it's still on sale. And uh, and we're, we're gonna have Eddie again on in the future. But uh, today with with Benno, I we're gonna do actually. When I asked you to come on board, when I asked you to pick a match that you wanted to review, you gave me a couple of choices, and then we were talking about different things, but you picked the match we're going to talk about today, which is not necessarily an all Japan match because it, it doesn't happen on all Japan soil, so to speak. It happens on a New Japan show. It's called the New Japan Super Fight at the Tokyo Dome, and uh, it's, but it has a lot of all Japan talent. So including the match that we're going to talk about, uh, but before we get to that, Venno, I want I want to kind of ask you: What do you have any kind of background or history with all Japan Pro Wrestling of the nineties? Because it, it's not something I ever heard you talk about, to be quite honest.
2: No, we, we had a little period on on spotlight where um, I was going back and watching watching some old stuff. Like for me, like my introduction would have been through Virtual Pro Wrestling too on the on the n64 like i was i was the nerd who uh you know getting that imported and you know later on you know uh, getting it to work on on roms on the uh the n64 i also had the i always had the great mod of uh, of no mercy where at the uh the roh roster in 2004 that i was a a big fan of and uh prevalent in the uh there was a whole scene of that stuff modders and and all kinds they still they're still going now people hack moves into the games and and all kinds but like a big thing in that community was the the idea that like Virtual Pro Wrestling Two was better than than No Mercy and better than WrestleMania 2000. It, it basically is; it's WrestleMania 2000. Like it, like that game is just a reskin version of Virtual Pro Wrestling Two, and you know you can see it in the moves a lot of the wrestlers use, and that that bled into like the No Mercy game, where when you created the wrestler, you could give them Kawada kicks and all of these different moves that maybe, you know, teenage Benno might not have hundred percent recognized, but you know, as time went on, you realize, Oh, that's why, that's why that particular poses in the game. Oh, that that's the orange crush. Oh, I, I get it now. And yeah, like I, I started to play that game with only like a, Slight real like knowledge of of who the people were. Obviously, you know Vader's in the game. Um, you know the San Hansen's in the game. The, the two men we're going to talk about today. Bark guns in the game. Mike Barton. Um, you know and the, those kinds of guys. Johnny Ace. Um, and obviously, you know Kabashi Masawa. All of those guys. Those guys on the the old Japan roster. So that was kind of my my introduction. And around the same time. I would. I was getting into the internet in the early 2000s and becoming a, a message board idiot. And, like, Kazar was a big thing. Did you ever use Kazar for file share? No, just, it I, years, I like... did
1: the, the, like, I wasn't really into the internet until, like, at home, until, like, you know, we got, like, high speed. <laughs> it was, like, it was <laughs> yeah. over, like, cables and not through your phone line. So... Well, this is the thing. On the wrestling
2: forums I was on, that would be, like, recommended match lists and things that you'd be looking on Kazar for. Like, I remember, like, there was, like, a Dynamite Kids selection that I, I really wanted to get. And, you know, you get the, obviously, big Mermisawa Kobashi matches. You hear the legend of that stuff. And you'd spend an hour just trying to download the GIF um, of, like one, or, like, one big spot in the match or or, or something like that. That was, like, a, that was a big thing at a time. Well, not a bit a GIF, but, like, a short video um, back then. But, yeah, that, you know, I had dial up myself and I'd spend, like, a week you know, trying to download these matches <laughs> and like leaving it running and hoping that whoever was sharing it was online at the time. It was, it's a different world. These kids today don't know they're uh, they're born with the uh, the modern torrent system. But like, you know, we'll get into the match we're going to talk about today, and that was one of them um, that I had. That's why that's why I mentioned it because obviously, you know, the the lore of the uh, the the Vader's Eye and all of that stuff was a was a big thing. But yeah, you know, I, I think for me, it would have been bits and bobs like watching those matches. In kind of a jumble of order and maybe not really understanding the full context to it to the point where you know I had a couple I had a couple of comp discs and like one of my favorite things to do was to throw virtual pro wrestling to on and you know have like like that comp disc running on on the side on like a second TV and and watch the matches and stuff. So that was kind of my 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 introduction to it. Like have I got you know the the a to z kind of knowledge of it and the you know year by year what's going on no that's what this podcast series is for and that's what i'm learning as i go with there uh, with everybody else but yeah definitely i i've seen more of it than uh that you, the, you may think
1: okay that's good yeah at least you know the, the names of all the uh the four pillars at least that's that's a good start to, to, to jump from <laughs> we'll that. And, and, and shout out to virtual Pro wrestling too i love that game i i have to get a rom of that because like my i don't think my n64 will work again especially Um. especially i don't have a tv that would play like that scaled of like uh resolution like like i only have high definition tvs and like i'd have to either buy like some kind of device to scale down the tv which i don't think looks good i tried that on my tv back in japan and i didn't really like the results of that so i do think i'm gonna to have to like either get a rom of that and get and just buy a, a usb you know n64 controller and play it on on the computer it's in some form.
2: oh it's yeah never been top to the state. it's never been top because that's the <laughs> thing that that game got right it was it was always like the finishing sequence and the sway of a match and the, the near falls and how the the momentum can change like they they nailed something in that game that they've literally not nailed in another game
1: I I thought the best part was that they had like an MMA engine for the guys Mm. who had a more of an MMA based offense, including actual Uh, MMA fighters that they, you know, because it's Japan and they just call them something else. But if you go through the creator wrestler, you can make certain legit MMA fighters in this game and have them have shoot fights. They had a shoot fight promotion in there that based on rings, it's an incredible game. I, I, at some point I'm going to have to like, just make the time to like, okay, download it. Set it up. Get get a con- proper controller for the computer with that's n64 based, and then I just start I playing it. it again. Including maybe I'll include the 2004 Ring of Honor, uh, <laughs> the roster in there, and have a match with Kobashi, Orange Crush Kobashi versus Samoa Joe. Not not there you go. And, and I just want I wanted to say that Beno does have like legit, you know, four pillars credentials because he has seen Ken Kobashi live in mm-hmm. one of the greatest matches he's ever had against Samoa Joe.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I mention it every now and then, you know, on, uh, on Grapple Spotlight that uh, that I was there live at that match, but still the greatest, I mean, I was at Nigel Bryan as well, and the the famous Gate Six man of ROH, but Kabashi Joe is another level, like that is the that is the greatest match I've ever seen um, live, and I don't think it'll ever be topped, and the moment that Kabashi came out um, in New York, to, there weren't that many of us there, you know, less than a thousand, I think we're in the, uh, in the New Yorker hotel, like the loudest pop I think I've ever heard, like it's great, it's it's. You watch that back match back now and I think the the most beautiful thing about it is you know the, the story behind it. The you know Kabashi thought he was gonna come to the US and he was gonna have to be like a foreign heel and Joe convinced him, of, No, 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 these people are gonna know who you are. When he came out, he was under no doubt that these people knew who he was. And it was it was a crowd full of people who'd used Kazar and tape traded and played all those
1: old games and I knew who he was so yeah i'm proud that i was there i was there for that one so there you go like people might say oh he doesn't know enough to be on this you know he he's seen kobashi live that's that's good enough for me and he saw <laughs> one of kobashi's greatest greatest matches of all time so uh but we're we're, we're going to talk about a very legendary match between uh it's kind of it's an, it, and it is actually an inter-promotional match so i do think it mm-hmm. counts as, as being an all japan match as well because it is featuring uh from the New Japan side, he is the current IWGP heavyweight champion at this time. It's Big Van Vader. And challenging him on this informational show, the New Japan Pro Wrestling Super Fight in Tokyo Dome show, is all Japan's like legendary like top foreign wrestler. And in my opinion, the, the greatest foreign wrestler ever to set foot. On, on on Japanese uh, shores and that is Stan the lariat Hansen and uh, yeah this this comes from a show from February 10th 1990 um, and not b- besides Stan Hansen we also had um, uh, Steve Williams was on the show Jumbo Suru was on the show uh, Yoshiaki Yatsu was on the show uh Tenru and Tiger Math 2 who was who was of course Mitsuharamaaur all on this show. And and I'm going to, before we get into the match itself, I'm going to go through the card, but ben, what, what's your history with uh, this particular match?
2: Yeah, it's that. It was, it, you know, it's the legend of it. You know, it was a traders dream at the time, wasn't it? Being able to advertise the fact that yeah, th- this is the famous match where, you know, you hear different stories. Vader's eye completely fell out. He had to push it back in himself. He broke his nose or it happened on a Lariat or whatever. And it's a bit, a bit more innocuous than that but i was fully aware of like the story and that was the thing i think that's that's the the drawing factor of this match and why it was one of the ones that i would have you know had at the time and one, one of the ones that I, I would have downloaded at the time it's the yeah, it's the legend itself more than the match and yeah this is the, this is probably the first time i've watched it um in about maybe 20 years something like that i don't know if it's um it's one that you've
1: revisited a lot no it's 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 i think i've watched it maybe once or twice maybe. More than 10 years ago. And then, Mm. I mean, it's with wrestling. Like, I think the thing we have to keep in mind with wrestling is that there's so much wrestling just coming out every week. (laughs) It's hard to keep up. And, you know, I love going back. Obviously, that's the whole purpose of this show is to go back and, and kind of talk about things that maybe other people don't know about but have heard about and revisit these matches and talk about them. And a lot of times for the show, like I haven't seen some of these matches in a long, long time, and I love Mm. revisiting them. And this is one of those. And I always remember like, yeah, this is the match. Like um, if you're familiar with either Vader, you've heard of this match and you never heard of Stan Hansen, you've heard this match. If if you're only familiar with Stan Hansen, you don't know that much about Vader, you've heard of this match because Mm. it is such an important match for both men's histories. And it stems from like, this idea of like you know, this rare idea of, of All Japan and New Japan working together on this show, uh, you know, All Japan helping New Japan out in this case, because it is their Tokyo Dome show and they, they you know, they wanted to kind of bolster up attendance and they thought, well, what can we do? Well, we can have, uh, you know, to promote some All Japan talent show up on this match and it, it helped their, their attendance for this show, definitely. But also the idea that you have at this time, like Vader, uh, is you know originally, of course, he was in the AWA, AWA as Leon White, and that's the first time he ever met Stan Hansen. And and if you ever see clips of that match or the full match, I think you can find the full match on YouTube yeah. um of like Vader just beating the sh- oh no, uh, Stan Hansen just beating the shit out of Leon White. And then mm-hmm. years later, they're both they're both huge stars in Japan. Like Vader is the IWGP champion. He's one of the few foreigners to hold that title. I think he, I think he might have been. First foreigner to ever hold that title in in New Japan, and and Stan Hansen has been you know you know like a a champion in all of Japan for wrestling. He's the most popular you know foreign wrestler to ever come through to to any promotion in Japan, and even to like up till like yeah, I'd say this day, like when I was teaching in Japan, you know, people like I would you know people would say, oh, you like professional wrestling? Do you know who Stan Hansen? They would ask me, do you know who Stan Hansen is? Yeah, do you know who Stan Hansen is? Like, yeah, do you watch wrestling? No, but I know who Stan Hansen is. But then I'd say, do you know who Kenny Omega is? I don't know, who's that? You know, like, <laughs> so people telling me that like, Kenny Omega is the, the the most popular wrestler ever, foreign wrestler to ever wrestle in Japan is like it's complete horseshit. It's not. It, it, it's Stan <laughs> Hansen. I could and I could prove it definitively because I can go to any nostalgia shop in Japan, like you know, good shop in 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 in, in Japan. And I could probably find some. Some fucking Stan Hansen memorabilia from like you know the last thirty years, or even even like even Terry Funk probably more popular historically than than Kenny Omega ever was. Hmm. Then like if I try to find Kenny Omega merch, no, not 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 as easy to find. But Stan Hansen, yes, and he had such because he had such a a cultural penetration throughout the Japanese you know, throughout Japanese society through television and not just being a wrestler, but like in commercials and, and things like that. So he, he was definitely a legend outside of, of wrestling. So like, you know, people are familiar with him. Oh, he's going to fight this other guy who's like a huge, you know, like wrestling superstar. And he's a foreigner and he's a big man. And and these two, at the time, I got to think were, were considered the two best big men in, in wrestling at the time, Beno. Yeah,
2: a, a- watch the you know, in prep for this, watched a couple of like shoot interviews with Hanson and Vader. Like interesting to like hear their their dynamic and kind of thoughts on each other and you know, Vader's Vader. You know, he's uh he's not he's not at ease putting anybody over really or, you know, admitting, you know that he was maybe you know inexperienced early in his career when he came up, up against uh, San Hanson. What was his name early in his career? It was something. It was Baby, like Ball. Baby, Baby Ball. Baby, Baby Ball, Ball Leon. Yeah. Leon White. <laughs> Which like straight away you knew he wouldn't like that because it, it just completely defines him down immediately. But he's like on the come up, obviously when the, when they when they first meet and so he was kind of. You know, the, the interviewer and the interview I watched was, was saying to him, Oh, did you did you feel differently, you know, when it came around to this match that maybe, you know, you're equals now and how far you've come? And he was just like, No, didn't really think of it like that. I just, you know, kind of so stand as an equal. But yeah, maybe if you if you look back on things and look back in time, maybe I, I can see what you mean. I can see that I, you know, maybe maybe I had something to prove whenever I was in there with him because of who I was, you know, relative to, to him in the uh, in the eighties and then, you know, the other times that they they came across each other. Uh, and that's the thing you can you can see it in this match that you know they are at this point you know equals and Vader is you know a a, a gigantic star in his own right and you know maybe you know he still talks with about Hansen with a with a bit of you know respect there and Hansen still kind of in, in the bits the talking head bits I saw kind of talks of him as like a you know he sees him as like a, a Vader. You know, as that young wrestler um, that he was when he when he came across him in the eighties and stuff. But yeah, by this point, obviously, yeah, you know that had, that had, uh, that had very much changed. And you know, you, you look at the two gigantic stars, and that's that's obvious from from everything in the presentation of it.
1: Yeah. So let's let's take a look at this show. I'm just going to run through the match listings here, and then we're going to get to talking about the match itself. So this is the uh, NJPW uh, Super Fight in Tokyo Dome, uh, February tenth, nineteen ninety. Um, and so, starting off this show was Osama Matsuda, who would later become famous as El Samurai, taking on uh, Takayuki Izuka, uh, Takashi Izuka, as he would later change his name. The the man with the uh, the oven mitt. Uh, that uh, he likes to jam into people, which I hate because it looks so fucking cheap. That that gimmick, uh, tag team match: uh, Akira Nogami and Jushin Thunder Liger taking on Naoki Sano and Pegasus Kid, who uh, you know is Chris Benoit. Uh, Six man tag team match: Hiroshi Hase. Kantara Hoshino and Kuniaki Kobayashi versus the blonde outlaws Hiro Saito, Norio Honaga and Tatsutoshi Goto uh, singles match uh, Brad Ringens from the AWA taking on uh, Russian uh, r- super wrestler Victor Zangiev uh, singles match between Dr. Death Steve Williams versus another uh, Russian, a lot of these Russian amateur wrestlers were, were doing a lot of shit in, New Japan in the early 90s because yeah, like, like, like Inoki had like a hard-on for these types of wrestlers uh, but Steve <laughs> Williams took on uh, Salman ha- uh, Hashimakov. Uh, there was an AWA World Heavyweight title match between, of course, at this time, Larry Zbysko. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, versus Masa Saido. And I-, I can only imagine how bad that match might have been. That's what we should have reviewed. That oh, would oh, be fun. Oh, there's actually is. nothing at A- A- all Japan about Fucking Larry Zavisco, so no, we would never review that match on the show. Uh, there's a tag team match between the legendary Jumbo Saruda and his regular tag team partner, Yoshak Yatsu, collectively known as the Olympics. One of my favorite tag teams that I've, I've recently discovered by going back and watching... Old, old matches for featuring Jumbo and they took on the, the uh, New Japan team of Kengo Kimura and Osamu Kido. Uh, another tag team match with the other big star of, of, native star of All Japan at the time, Jinichiro Tenryu. He's teaming with uh, Mitsuhara Masawa's uh, version of Tiger Mask and they are taking on the team of George Sakano and uh, Ricky Choshu, which is uh, kind of a big thing because Ricky Choshu and Tenryu used to feud when, when Choshu originally jumped from New Japan to All Japan and he he feuded a lot with Jumbo and with Tenru here. And then, of course, the match we're going to talk about, which was for the IWGP uh, heavyweight titles. Uh, Big Van Vader, who was the champion at the time, taking on the challenger, Stan Hansen from All Japan for Wrestling. And then uh, a couple of like uh, matches after this kind of uh I don't know why why they, they would follow the the uh the, the heavyweight yeah. IWGP title match, but I think one of these is like is like a, a come down match, and that's uh Crusher. Bam Bam Bigelow. <laughs> I love that they called him Crusher. Yeah. Like Bam Bam wasn't enough. Like it's gotta, not enough, yeah. You gotta just <laughs> Japanese wrestling has to include Crusher. And he took on uh, Kochi Katao, one of the most uh the difficult most difficult wrestlers like you-, you could ever probably have a match with. Just a terrible, terrible re- reputation Kochi Katao had uh, in in wrestling. Uh, tag team, and then finally uh, the special main attraction tag team match with uh, special referee Lufez. And it was Masahiro Chano and Shinya Hashimoto, two of the three musketeers taking on the team, the legendary team of Antonio Inoki and uh Seiji Sakaguchi. Go ahead. That's quite funny. Cause like I saw like in the, in the Vader interview, I saw he was
2: like, he seemed quite bitter about the fact they didn't go on last. But it's like Lufez is the referee, and Inoki and Chono are there. Like I, I mean, I feel like Understandable that you're not in the main event, Leo mix Like, you know, it's uh, you, you've got a non finish in your match, too. You know, he wasn't hey. very complimentary about Hashimoto either, by the way. Called him, uh, hey. called him fat and out of shape in the interview I saw, but
1: you know, i Coming from Vader. Uh, um. I, well, I don't, i I probably like probably Shinya Hashimoto didn't think too much of Vader, maybe, and <laughs> they, they, they didn't have any, they had no mutual respect between each other. I, I don't know necessarily. This. Hey, listen, like Shinya Hashimoto is one of the greatest. Like Big men also like for a man with like you would like look at him, you think who's this? Like he looks like an overweight Elvis impersonator. But Shin Yashimoto is one of the toughest men to ever step in the ring in, in Japanese wrestling, and, and that and that is saying something. Um, and he he made well, I think I would say probably he made a lot more money for New Japan for wrestling than than Vader ever did. So there, mm-hmm. there you go with that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's like Inoki and Sakaguchi, You got to understand like this is like the tag team that started new japan and made events in in the 70s so it's like this is like this would be like bruno Martina and pedro morales taking on the team of i don't i don't know the rock and fucking steve austin that's that's what it is <laughs> if, if you want a wwf wwe like kind of comparison so in, in japanese terms like think about that overlay that into in terms of japanese professional wrestling and then they, they you understand why plus it's refereed by fucking Luth as like a legendary man in, in in japan because like they believed at the time and that this is the time where like they still think it's a shoot right so professional wrestling but we are going to talk we're going to talk about it. i'm sure you know um Vader, uh, rest his soul. Like would would be very happy that we're going to talk about this match, not not about the main event that that ended the show. But we're going to talk about his match with Stan Hansen. And uh, yeah, what's uh, I I think we'll just I'll just go through my notes here and uh, kind of run through the match with you here, Beno. And then anytime you want to step in, I'm going to throw it to you as well. I'll find you know breaks in the match to to throw it to you. But uh, yeah, let's let's talk about it. Um, you know, as the video starts. Stan Hansen comes out first. Yeah, his theme, Sunrise, is replaced for this broadcast TV version, which sucks because he's got one of my favorite themes in, in all of wrestling. Uh, but it's just this generic like theme that we hear when he comes out. But he gets a you do hear a that he gets a big reaction from the fans because they know this something special is about to to happen with with the arrival of Stan Hansen in the Tokyo Dome. Uh, Vader comes out next, as of course, befitting being the the heavyweight champion of New Japan at the time. And he I I felt he got even a bigger reaction as being the uh, the home uh Gai Kukujin, uh wrestler of New Japan at the time. And just just so people understand, I use the word gai Kukujin because that means uh, uh foreign person in Japanese, okay? And as opposed to the, the more common word of gaijin, which has very kind of like, you know, like negative, I would say even racist undertone yes, so like i i do not use that word anymore and and people i see there's like a bit of a debate about it on, on wrestling that, twitter yeah and it, here's the thing if you're pro like using gaijin I, i'll just say this as someone who lived in japan for 10 years none of my japanese friends or students ever referred to me as a gaijin they always right. said oh wh sensei or wh is a gaikokujin" that they were introducing right. me to their friends or acquaintances like oh who's he oh this is my my friend he's a guy Kuchin. you know mm-hmm. so they never refer to me as gaijin because they know japanese people know they they don't want it if if wrestlers still use it, it just means that wrestling in japan like wrestling in any other part of the world is still kind of filled with people who act backwards way of thinking so <laughs> Yeah. yeah
2: i was gonna say this flies in the face of the uh the explanation i got in fast and furious tokyo drift where it's explained to me that it's a it's a great word and it means it just means outsider you know it's uh mm-hmm. it is it's funny that it's like it's just something we've i think as wrestling fans just take it on and it's like oh i know what i'm talking about because i'm saying a word that you know rather than just saying foreigner or you know foreign star or something like that like i, I do it I, I probably recently used it you know when talking new japan or or whatever on, on our podcast it is it has kind of slipped into wrestling from vernacular
1: hasn't it? that has been interesting to see that well i mean you know i bring it up also because like if you listen to the commentary the japanese commentary they keep talking about number one gaijin wrestler you know they, they, right? when they're when they're talking about vader or and stan has like who is the number one gaijin wrestler in this right. but like I, I just want to say to people who are listening that i'm trying to i'm trying to like kind of educate you about this is a better word to use and, and listen if you're too lazy to add two more fucking syllables like I, I don't know what to say like that's your fucking problem but i will say this guy Kokujin." okay so it's Jin," and then you put two fucking extra syllables in the middle: guy koku Jin." so i just say this fucking slowly for all you fucking mouth breathers out there all right so you have no fucking friends excuse. as always huh me Making friends as always listen then uh, anyone who's gonna be like I don't like that he's all woke about this word and shit. Yeah, go fuck yourself, all right? Like, I, I, don't, I don't need these people to be my friends or, or like listen I, to this show. I'm, I'm staying out of it. JP already riled up all the Noah fans in the
2: last couple of weeks. So, you know, I'm trying to make <laughs> friends. So yeah. There but you go. Like, <laughs> but the, you know, the point you make about
1: it being used on commentary here, is that something you'd hear today? Like, is that something I, that, I, don't you'd think, have... I don't think you'd ever hear from, like, an English commentator covering Japanese mm. wrestling. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I'm just saying my own experience- Like none of no Japanese person I ever knew in the 10 years that I lived there ever used it to refer to me or used it really that much, to be honest. They would always talk about other foreigners um, that they knew as Kaikokushin. So there you go. Anyways, you know, as soon as Vader enters the ring, like, and here's one of the things I really love about this match, Venno. As soon as Vader enters the ring, he just goes up to Stan Hansen and knocks off his cowboy hat. And this fucking match is is already on. Yeah,
2: I was gonna say, depending on who you believe, I think this is the point because I think Vader has said before he broke his nose on the way into the ring as well, and that's what sets him off here, and that's why it starts with like the uh, the jump off. I think it's something to do with his entrance gear that he was, um, you know, that he was like he, like he said, Hanson broke
1: his his nose before he got into the ring.
2: Yeah, yeah, something to do with when he was taking the the, the the guy the guys off and getting into the ring and his nose yeah was already gone at that point. Um, okay. Whether that's true or not, I don't know.
1: I, I don't think Stanson had anything to do with that, because is in the ring, so yeah. and Vader's taking off his, his big mask image, which I I love that thing, like when he would do the the whole thing with like he set off the the, the steam uh, steam machine on that thing. Oh, oh, it's so cool. It's
2: funny, I got a funny relationship with Vader because like you know, I was you know, I was 12 in 1996 when he debuted in the WWF in the, uh, in the rumble, but I'd seen him on WCW TV on, uh, on ICV in the nineties doing like, you know, squashes against, you know, he would squash like three, three jobbers. And it, he always came across as like the, the biggest badass in the world. And I would go back and I'd, I'd watch like the, uh, you know, the, Started getting tapes of like the, the early nineties WCW stuff and seeing them and it was just yeah, I remember the first time I saw that and saw that entrance and saw the you know the smoke and it was like, Oh they, what's the what's the magic behind that? How have they done that? This is so much cooler than how the ref the presented them. Uh, saying that the mask was would get a lot better as time went on. It was a bit of uh, bit, you know, a bit uh, Milano
1: four the mask he, uh, he's wearing in his early days. But oh I the, that that one, yeah, the, the strap mask that he eventually became more mm. famous for is is much better. His his singlet. Gets much better, like that all that that red trim design. I, I'm not a fan of it, like. But when he gets to like, you know, like you know, Vader feuding with Sting, look, mm. the mask is a singlet. It's a great. Great, great look, and I like the part where you know when I think it's the White Castle of Fear, he where he wears that like furry white cape. I think that's yeah. awesome too. So he's a pilot.
2: I love that period of him. Like that Super Bowl three matches at yeah, the strap
1: match with with Sting. That's one of yeah. my favorites of uh, yeah of all time. It's a great st- some great stuff. Um, let's see. So so they, like the, the hat gets knocked off, and you don't do that to Stan Hansen. So it, it's on. These guys start just like you know. At first, though, I got to say, it first seems like they want to lock up, which is weird. But then they just start, yeah, you know, Vader just like starts teeing off on Hanson. It's with elbows to the face, a headbutt, and stiff forearms to to Hanson's chest. And I got to think all these moves, all these strikes are super stiff because they are just like, like, this is Stan Hanson I'm in the ring with. He's going to stiff the shit out of me. And so I got to, I got to start off, set the pace with him and maybe try to legit, maybe knock him out, not knock him out, but you know, like kind of take him down a peg or two, but uh, hey, this is Stan Hansen. He retaliates with chops and and hit and he hits his forearms to, to Vader's chest really stiffly. Um, there's a bit of a back and forth until Hansen gets put in the corner and a referee legendary New Japan referee Tiger Tori breaks it up. Um, from here, they both get back in the middle of the ring, and again, Vader just starts teeing off on Hansen with stiff shots to the face, and and this is you know Hansen just starts firing back. It's pretty even at this point where they're just like trying to beat the fucking shit out of each other, Ben. Mm,
2: I love it. It is. It feels like a real fight. Apparently, this um this match takes place the day before that was it was a Tyson Buster Douglas took place in Tokyo the night after. Bet you this was stiffer. Like, you know, just like <laughs> probably Drew better as well, uh, to be fair. But yeah, it it is it that's the thing about this this match, and that I remember from seeing it years ago and you know, rewatching it now, there's no work about it. It is just it's just two blokes throwing bombs. Like they're literally fighting, you know, out there in front of you and know. Hanson's got his eye issues, so we probably can't see what he's hitting. Vader is notoriously just Vader, and it is literally, you know, capital letters a fight like yeah, you've got to, uh, so you know, we plan. we should
1: mention like this about San Hansen, he has the worst by his own admission, he has the worst eyesight when he's not wearing mm-hmm. his glasses, and he's definitely not wearing his glasses in any of his messes, in any of his matches, so a lot of times is why is Vader why is Hansen so stiff, especially when he hits the Larry? It's because he does not have any depth perception, and he yeah. does he just like, oh, here's someone in front of me, I'm gonna hit them as hard as I can and. And you know what? It it works like and in Japan, they don't fucking care. It's like, okay, we're also gonna hit Stan Hansen as hard as we can, because he's hitting us as hard as he can. So we're just gonna return it. And I think that's kind of the mentality that Bader goes into this match with is that Vader doesn't need the excuse though. Vader <laughs> no, could do that with anyone. <laughs> but he's with Stan Hansen, he knows like, okay, I'm gonna he's gonna he's gonna hit me really hard because he's I think he, he, he has it. will say he's legally blind without his glasses on. So he's just going to stiff me. He's going to potato me. So I'm just going to do the same thing to him. But yeah, I mean, Vader had the reputation of, of doing the same thing to his opponents for sure. Um, it's, it's a pretty even fight. And we'll, we'll call it that. It's a fight. It's not really a match. It's a pretty even fight at this point. Uh, Vader is able to get off a short-range clothesline that, that really pops the crowd. And this crowd is, is pretty much into it for the most part. There's kind of ebbs and flows to their, their reaction, depending on like where they're fighting. And we'll, we'll talk a bit about that as we get through the course of the match. But uh, he follows up with a stiff kick to the gut. But this is where, you know, this kick, this, this I think, just sets off Hanson for some reason. Hanson really starts laying in with these stiff, and I, I have installing caps that are like stiff elbows to the face of Vader with, with Vader firing back as well. But I think this is where, along along this exchange, that Hansen hits him so fucking hard to the face that that Vader's eye pops out of the socket. Because now you just see like, okay, Vader's got something wrong with him. He's trying to slow down this match because uh Vader gets hansen in the corner and this is like it where he's like you know he's got his he's got his head close to faith, hansen's head and just tells him stan this i'm just guessing i'm 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 guessing what's being exchanged here. but this is my guess what's being said stan my fucking eye popped out <laughs> yep and like that that little is the, the moment where they kind of go
2: into the arm bar here as well like it's like because i was watching it going was why is Vader doing an, an armbar? I was like, oh, I don't know why. <laughs> it's just, yeah, clearly there's a bit of communication going on here. Clearly, you know, something is, uh, something has gone wrong, but
1: fuck me. Like, it's, it's nasty when you actually get to see it. So, yeah, he does go into his armbar spot. He takes him down to the mat, and it's just like, this is such a weird transition. But, mm. okay, what we know now, it makes perfect sense for him to try to give himself a breather and try to communicate with Hansen in, when they're down in the mat and just, like, you know, tell him, like, you know, try to go from there. Uh, Vader gives up the arm bar and gets up so he can take off his mask. And when he takes off his mask, you can see there is something seriously wrong with his right eye. And, and but, you know, you would think that some people might, might want to take, you know, call an audible and, and maybe figure out, like, go to the finish at this point. Nope, not here. Because both these guys know, like, hey, we cannot do that. It you know, for good or bad, they 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 are both like you know fully ingrained in the idea of being professional wrestlers, especially working in Japan, that this this match is gonna go on. Like mm-hmm. the only way this is it's not gonna go on is if like if like Vader becomes completely blind, I think. But thankfully that doesn't happen in this match. But uh Hansen just you know, Vader gets up, takes off the mask, Hansen just presses the attack. And, and on Vader, but, you know, Vader whips him into the corner and hits his signature Vader splice. So, you know, it's still a work. It hasn't devolved into a yeah. shoot. You know, like, people say, how do you know when it's still a work? If someone Irish whips you, it's a fucking work, okay? Because <laughs> no one's gonna fucking... You're not gonna allow anyone to Irish whip you in a, in, a, in a shoot fight, okay? So, this, 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 if you ever see that Irish whip into the corner, into the ropes, it's a, it's, it's a work, just so everyone understands that if, if you had any confusion about that um, there are some pretty gross camera shots here Venno, of the eyes swollen up but yeah. uh, you know what this doesn't deter Hansen I, from sending shots to the face still
2: lo- I love that but like this is like a, a big thing for me in this match that you know Vader obviously takes the mask off and I think it's more you know because his eyes so fucked up rather than just want to show it off and you know I think this is this is the first time people have seen him properly unmasked i think um in japan so that's a big moment but what i love about it is like say this was i know you'd never get this match in modern wwe but like wrestlers are trained now to like look for the hard cam look for the camera and you know it's all like that 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 is a lesson drummed into wrestlers these days like you know work the cameras and it's like no the cameras should be finding you and that's what i love about it vader doesn't stop there and make sure everybody sees his eye you know he's you can see he's concerned for himself and he's trying to keep Hansen away and he's trying to keep moving but you get those little split seconds where the camera finally gets him and that crowd response when the crowd actually see how fucked up his eyes is just like it it just it absolutely adds to the match and it adds to the mythology of the match and it adds to the atmosphere of the match and it's done in a in a natural way it's not done in a way where it's like, where it's you know it's obvious that he he wants everyone to see it you know, we all kind of catch it at that, that same moment and all have that same reaction, you know, together.
1: I'm not sure if, at, in 1990, if the Tokyo West Dome is set up to have a giant screen. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to assume that there is some kind of, like, massive screen for the, for, for the time. Most, that pe- yeah. For people to see, like, on, like, and there are multiple screens. There's probably, there's a, a, a multiple screen set up above the ring um, with the lighting rig. So, like, the, the fans, even in, like, the cheap seats, can see on the screen that the, like this, the, you know, this really disgusting image of Vader's eye. Like I, I I'm assuming I, I think it was probably popped back in at this point, but it is so swollen up. It is. You have to be concerned about this man's eyesight, but not Stan Hansen. He's not concerned about the man's eyesight at all. <laughs> so from here, uh, Stan, uh, Stan Hansen, mirrors Vader over he drops an elbow to uh, Vader's shoulder and then locks in a rear chin lock. Uh, Vader gets up and hits a headbutt and unleashes a flurry of shots to the head and midsection of Santa Hanson. These all look very painful. I, I think he's like, like I would almost say this is maybe a receipt for the eye, but it's just like this probably would have happened regardless of the eye yeah. popping out or not. Uh, Vader tries for another Vader splash in the corner, but Hansen gets out of the way and hits Vader with a back suplex, which pops the crowd because they're like, hey, oh, my God, you got Vader up or, like, a suplex. Um, Vader recovers, shoots Hanson into the ropes, and is able to connect with his like, Vader splash again this time. And, uh, yeah, Hanson gets up, hits a nasty-looking shoulder tackle on Vader that that knocks him down. I, and at this point, I just want to say, like, the pace that these two men are working at is just, like, nonstop. They, they're just, like, one gets the advantage, then the other one gets the advantage. And they're just, like, hitting each other with pretty, pretty, like, you know, hard body shots and shots to the face, and it, it's pretty amazing that like Han- Vader, Vader is, is like just still willing to to stay in this match and yeah. and get and get hit in the face. Like there is something that could go wrong again at any minute with Stan Hansen, and and he's still yeah. willing to to do it. It's like it's that whole mentality is like we have to finish this match, we have to finish this match, we cannot end it sooner than it's meant to to, to end. Well, that's the thing
2: because the eye thing happens so early in the match and there's another at least 10 minutes after that, you know, it runs about 17, 18 minutes um, altogether at that pace as well, you know, and at that, that physicality. But yeah, I think that's the story with the eye that it was like Vader basically pushed it back in himself and it was only because his eye was so swollen that it even stayed in. Like that, or you know, that's the that's the old wives tale about it, or at least what the, the story he tells uh as to what happened, but you can you can absolutely believe that. So it's kind of it's staying in because it's, you know, so messed up. But yeah, they don't they do shy away. And there are little moments like, you know, even you know, you mentioned there where you know Hansen takes him down and grabs the headlock. But I even like that because, you know, yeah, you know, his, his eyes are all messed up. You want to work a headlock, you want to get in there, you wanna, you know, put football pressure on uh, on, on where where the man's hair, but they find their rhythm again and they just they just keep going at it. And yeah, that's a big thing for me that this is, you know, a 16, 17 minute match and it doesn't stop. It's all action. It's, you know, it's it's just awesome. It's just an awesome spectacle to watch.
1: Uh, Hansen kicks Vader out of the ring and the fight now spills to the outside. Uh, Vader gets rammed. <laughs> I get, I'm just reading this and I'm just remembering the match. Vader gets rammed face first into the post and then Hansen whips him into the guardrail. Then Vader's like, Okay, yeah, you know, like I'm not gonna try to stop this. like he gets rammed face first, like, yeah, it's a work, but still, the what it's only a millimeter of what can go wrong, right, Venno? like if, mm-hmm. with, that, with with a spot like that. so um thankfully, nothing happened more than that. He gets at the garrel. Uh as Hansen follows up, Vader launches himself and hits Hansen with a super stiff lariat and and this is this is a great moment that the crowd pops over because oh my god he hit hansen with hansen's own move i mean it's a move that vader would use as well but to be able to hit hansen with the lariat in 1990 uh is pretty impressive and it it does uh it does knock him down i believe here uh vader picks up hansen and in a scoop and then drops him midsection first onto the guardrail and hits another splash that sends hansen into the front row seats and if you were never to have watched this match before and you understood how big matches politically are protected in Japan or anywhere, actually not just in Japan, anywhere in the world, you think this is where this match is going to end in a double count to protect both guys. Cause one is the IWGP heavyweight champion. The other guy is giant Baba's favorite foreign wrestler, one of his biggest stars. And there's no way, okay, how are they going to do this match? You think, Okay, if I'm in the crowd, then I think this is probably where this match is gonna gonna end, even if I'm not smartened up to how wrestling works. I think this is probably because this is like a traditional thing that happens in Japan, like okay, two big stars neither neither of them can lose they're gonna they're gonna do a count, and you think the countout's gonna happen maybe at this point, but yeah. it doesn't. Vader grabs Hansen by the hair, leaves him back to the ring where he throws him back in the back into the ring, and the roar from this crowd. Is so loud because they're thinking, oh, it's not going to end here. Oh, my <laughs> God, this match is going to continue. We might get a finish. And and this is like something we'll get back to throughout, you know, the course of this match. Yeah. But I thought that was a great moment that they kind of, you know, defied expectations and the crowd rewarded them with such a loud cheer for, for the just the simple act of Hanson getting thrown back into the ring. Yeah, and I think the
2: match needs that to to be the legendary match that it is because it would be easy to write this off as the the match with the gimmick, you know, the eye, and the match that ends in you know uh, in an in an unsatisfying finish. And if it had stopped here, yes, you know, I could imagine that happening and imagine it it being disappointing. But I don't know, they called it an audible or they you know they they knew that that the crowd had, it would maybe yeah, be smartened up to the fact that it might be coming and they wanted to tease it. Either way, it's inspired because yeah, it gets you know the crowd going, and I think this extra you know three or four or five minutes that we get out of it is what elevates this match, despite you know the the finish that's coming.
1: Uh, there's a series of body shots from Vader to Stan Hansen. Hansen rolls out of the ring with Vader following him, and and I made a note that crowd the crowd enthusiasm noticeably lowers as they know that this dream interpromotional match is more likely to have a fuck finish, double count out. While both guys are out, you know, on the floor here, so it is interesting. Anytime they go out, the crowd is not into it at all mm-hmm. because they think because they're educated, they know they're conditioned to know like uh, this right. might be, and we're not going to get the finish that we want to see. We're going to get the finish that we're probably likely mm-hmm. to expect it going into this match. But you know, the crowd does cheer when Vader throws Hanson back into the ring. These okay. guys I think are just fucking with the crowd at this point, which is great. <laughs> I'm all for it. Uh there's a big power slam from Vader, and he goes for the pin, but only gets a two count here. And this is like this is like this is great because this sequence is now they're going for like going for covers, trying to pin each other. And mm-hmm. every time they do, the the crowd noticeably gets like more and more into this match. Um, Vader goes for the to the top rope and hits a Vader splash from there and goes to cover Hanson, but only gets a two. The crowd is well into this because like, now they're they are stomping their feet. Beno, and you got to keep in mind this is not Corrigan Hall. This is not even like Sumo Hall. This is the Tokyo Dome, and I have been in the Tokyo Dome many times. And to have that much sound carry over, we can hear it on on the video of this is pretty impressive that these people are, that there's enough people in the Tokyo Dome like well into like being into this match that they're going to like stomp their feet and you can hear it on the broadcast. Definitely. And
2: it does feel like they've been whipped up into a frenzy by the violence of it, by the chaos of it, by, you know, the, the want for this to 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 finish in the ring and the want to, you know, to, to see stuff. I mean, it speaks to the star power of the two of them, the credibility of the two of them and just, yeah, just how over they both are here. Cause yeah, it's awesome.
1: Yeah. there's And there's a point now where Vader gets on top of Hanson and starts laying in some more body shots and you can hear there is a noticeable Stan Hanson call, a Hanson call from the crowd, which you would think most of these people are, are, are new japan fans with maybe right. a, with like a percentage of them being all japan fans because that's the whole point of having the, the all japan involvement is to get those fans to come to this show as well but um but i just made a note that this is a this this is a definitely a showing of how his appeal transcended like the borders of being an all japan wrestler to being like just a, a cultural phenomenon to, to yeah, degree helpful, in in, in, in Japan, uh, you know, and like, so there's like, I, I think a lot of fans don't care that he's a New Japan wrestler per se. They're just like, oh my God, it's Ted Hanson. I know who he is, regardless of which promotion you follow. Um, yeah. Vader drops a big elbow to a prone Hansen and gets a two count. Uh, Han- at this point, Hansen fires up and hits a couple of blows on Vader. Vader whips him into the ropes again, but Hansen ducks a back elbow and then is hit with a lair that sends him to the outside yet again. This is great. This is all Vader putting putting the, you know, hitting the lariats on Hanson. Hanson has not yet hit his lariat on, on Vader. Uh, Vader puts Hanson up against one of the ring posts, lays in a shot and then goes for the splash again. But Hanson gets out of the way and Vader ends up posting himself and uh, kind of a glutton for punishment to himself. Like he's he's hitting the post yet again now. The third time yeah he just uh, he can't help himself he's
2: into it he's, he's feeling it that makes sense to me um no like I, I think as well like i you know you mentioned that before about like the you know the crowd kind of being on like hansen's side as much as vader i think part of that as well as you know hansen as much as like you want to be sympathetic towards vader with the eye like hansen's selling of his ribs and you know the amount of damage that vader's kind of doing to him is just going to naturally pull up that reaction out and yeah like
1: that it makes it, you know, feel all the more special. Um, yeah, so. yeah, and, and Vader is pretty much in control of this match for the last, I'd say, four minutes or so. Mm-hmm. So, um, Hansen uh, presses his advantage with, uh, with Vader posting himself there and he hits him, starts hitting with kicks and then he throws Vader back into the ring. which again, this crowd starts cheering mm-hmm. very loudly wow. to show their appreciation for it. Uh, Hansen lays in some knees and boots to Vader while he's on the ground, including like, um, I noticed like, hold on, I was like, yeah, no, I'll get to that later. But like, it's it's great. Like he's just he's just beating the shit out of Vader now. Just as like, okay, you have the heat on me. Now it's my turn. Um, uh, Vader rolls out of the ring where uh, Hanson's shoulder blocks him over the guardrail, and again, <laughs> you think, okay, this is where the match is going to end. Uh, follow, Hanson falls him out uh, to to the uh, over the guardrail, and they brawl a bit before Hanson throws him back into the ring again to a lot of flaws they they're just like playing this like a maestro like both these guys are playing this crowd like 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 it's a violin um there's an elbow uh to the face a uh, And they okay no we've got to block some over the card out okay no, elbow to the face and hansen gets a two count on vader uh hansen follows up with a series of this is my favorite part benno hansen follows up with a series of knees to the face of vader and these don't look like they're controlled. And gotta keep in mind again, Hansen has terrible eyesight. Uh he gets uh he goes he goes for a third count, but only gets uh gets a two here. Uh Hansen hits a nice back elbow as Vader bounces off the ropes and gets a two count again. And then at this point, he really pops the crowd because he signals for his signature yeah. finishing move, the Western Lariat, by adjusting his elbow pad. And uh, I always love when he does it and it gets it never fails to get a big response from the crowd. Probably the loudest, like
2: the, so the, the crowd, uh,
1: they're almost getting
2: louder every time they get back in the ring. But yeah, at that moment when like he signals that with the overpad, pad, that's probably the loudest that they get. That's when you kind of not okay. But at the, the business end of the match, like possibly this is the finish. And yeah, people are going crazy.
1: Uh, Vader reverses the Irish whip and hits Hanson with a beautiful dropkick. I love and, that spot. It's great. That. It's great. It's like, first of all, he gets up for this dropkick and like for a man his size to be so like oh. like agile is incredible but also like to hmm. also with like the damage of his eye like to hit it as well as he does the accuracy of it is like just absolutely incredible but
2: it's great cuz it's like like you say that you know the signal one with the elbow part the fact that the, the lariat's coming like just adding that extra bit of drama, you know, the, the Vader reversing the whip, and then to add to it, it being a drop kick, which gets a huge response from perfect, perfect. And I always loved that about Vader. Like you hear the the criticism of Vader. I think I've heard Jim Ross say before about him that, like, you know, he'd have had a you know a, a longer, more successful career if you know people hadn't gotten his ear and told him he should do moon and and drop kicks. And they're like, that's I, what I made Vader Vader, though. You know, he was special anyway. You know, as as a guy, you know. He walks out and he's special, you know. Just looking at him and you know his, his presence and everything, but it's that that's that extra bit, isn't it? That's why he is over to, to the level he is. It's these it's these little moments. The fact that he can pull something out like this and it also it's not just done just for, it's not Keith Lee just doing a, a high spot in AEW, which is, you know, I very much enjoy when he does, but this was, Vader does this because he's desperate, because he's, you know, he's a wounded animal and he's about to be put away. And everyone thinks that potentially the match is about to end. There's logic there, you know, to him hitting some drop, desperation drop kick. And like you say, both in real life and in the kayfabe match, it maybe takes as much out of him as it, you know, as it does Hanson.
1: It's, it's a it's a beautiful storytelling device as well. You have to uh, keep in mind that also this is the era of Ben ben Bigelow, a, yeah. a, a big man who is, you know, super agile as well, doing top rope moves. Maybe not moonsaults, but he's doing top rope he's doing drop kicks, he's showing very how agile he is. And and if you ever watched like Ben Bigelow's shooter review, uh, which I have, he talks about like like, oh yeah, Leon Leon always had like some kind of complex with me, even though they were tag partners in New Japan. Like mm-hmm. he felt that 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 Vader was always like kind of jealous of him and was like always like in competition with him because like, oh, we're, you know, essentially the same type of wrestler, but I can do all these filing moves. And so Vader was like, well, so can I, so I'm gonna do them. But again, I don't think Vader like, you know, did it like I don't I I don't think you'd ever see like when he when he's taking out jobbers in WCW, he's not hitting them with moonsaults. He's not doing any of that shit. He's just like choke slamming them, power slamming them. And, like hitting them with power bombs and, and, and stiffing them with, with shots with shots and, and layers and shit like that. So like you know like if he's saving it for like when he's fighting Sting or or I don't know who else like Kex Jack or or things like that. Then that I think that's perfectly fine. And sure he probably would have like done less damage to his body over over the over the years if he didn't do as many moonsaults. But the dropkick, I don't see what the criticism of the dropkick is because I think it's a very uh, safe move to to execute, and you're not really landing that hard. I feel like I, you know, We're you fit been the ring, not me, so you tell me better.
2: So I <laughs> was terrible at drop kicks, mate. So uh, you know, not the one. To, but I was like, but me and my tag team partner Dylan Roberts, he was dynamite kid. I was David Boy Smith. I couldn't I couldn't get as uh, as high as he could, but no, but you know, it probably those types of things probably went good than his knees and his his body in general. But you know, he had a still had a decent, you know, length career and it oh, you know, yeah. if anything went wrong. It was you know the booking in WWF more than you know was bother. Oh, for sure. And Sean Michaels. You know, yeah. mm, <laughs> I'm sure Michaels, that's probably a big part of the issue. But no, you mentioned the Bam Ban thing and like that's that's always kinda of sad that they had that little like rival because anytime you see them together or a folk, like how badass they look together and how like ah oh, just the idea of those two being like two killers um together, but I like, I guess you know it's Vader wants to be the uh, the top. Uh, I want to be. Ge-Ko-Kujin. is is that Gai you it? Guy Kukujin. Guy Kukujin. Guy. you? Go. Gai, there you, go. He he wants, to, you
1: can say it, so no problem. He,
2: he wants to be the top one, so uh, you know that, that's
1: understandable. not professional rivalry, was there? Yes. Uh, uh, from here, they have a short strike and ducking exchange that Vader wins by hitting a lariat that sends Hansen into the ropes, where he uh, where Hanson bounces off and finally hits Vader with his own lariat to a massive pop from the crowd but hey it does not knock vader down on the map though mm-hmm. and they end up brawling to the outside again and then they do one of my least favorite in fact i would say one of my most hated sequences in any wrestling match and that is the dreaded walk and brawl uh mm-hmm. around the, the the ringside area and i Benno, i i fucking hate walking brawls I, anytime people tell me, oh, are you excited that Minoru Suzuki is going to be wrestling in America? I'm like, fuck no. You know why? Because <laughs> there's a 99% chance it's going to be a fucking walk and brawl. And, yeah. uh, and, and every every indie fucking wrestler in America is going to wrestle Minoru Suzuki's match. Same he's, match. Not, he's not going to wrestle your fucking... Unless he really, really likes you, he's not mm-hmm. wrestling your match. You're wrestling his match and you're not getting... Jack shit in. So like most of the time, like I learned the last like I don't know two two three tours of America that he did like with like all these indie companies. I'm like, oh, he's gonna wrestle this guy, this guy, this guy. It's like who cares? It's it's I I love Minoru Suzuki, but I like a competitive Minerva Suzuki match where someone is like his equal and he's wrestling. Mm-hmm. He's letting them control the match as much as he's controlling the match. When it's just like some some dude that he doesn't know who the fuck that is, and he's like control. Anyways, the whole point being I hate walking brawls. I don't know how you feel about them. <laughs> no, I'm
2: with you and like the, the the Suzuki thing as well. Like this. It was this last tour he did, you know, where he was doing a lot of DCW and you it was the Daniel Garcia match where everyone's like, Oh, Daniel Garcia's gonna get in there with Suzuki and they go, and it was oh, Daniel Garcia did the walking brawl on the outside with him and did all the uh, Ha <laughs> ha, you're a young boy spots, and then you know, they, they tease the power driver and then they go home. Like that's that's what Daniel Garcia got on of Nora Suzuki. It was it was not what you'd hope for. But no, I'm with you. Um yeah, there's a time and a place for a walk and brawl, you know, Steve Austin in ninety eight, maybe. I'll uh I'll forgive, but yeah, not, not as as the deathmatch um guy as well. Um,
1: you know, they are the uh the most boring part of those matches too. Actually, in Japan, most death matches do not go into the crowd. <laughs> they stay in the really? ring. Actually, yeah, because that's where all the plunder is. Oh, there you go. Yeah, you know, they do like some I But like, I, I'm not not being a death match aficionado or or a fan of it at all. But like, I will say <laughs> to to the credit of Japanese death match wrestling that most of it does stay in the ring. Actually, so mm. you know, like like American death match wrestling, yeah, it does brawl because that that's like the tradition. It comes out of like Memphis and mm. and Florida that type of wrestling like of, of the like brawling and, and using hardcore you know weaponry and shit like that but um, yeah. b- back to this match um, they, they do the dreaded walk and brawl Taika Hattori starts to count and even tries to get back into the ring but alas that was never going to happen Benno and uh, there's not going to be a clean finish and this match ends in a double count out in 15 minutes and 47 seconds and the crowd is not happy with this and no. nor can I blame them, because you know, to to Vader and Stan hands credit, they they did they teased this crowd so much every time they went out, they got back in, to to loud cheers, they go back out, come back in, then you you think okay, they're gonna he hits a lariat, maybe, but no, it, it's uh, I actually find this a very like you know like I didn't expect anything different to be honest with you. But it's a very anti-climatic thing to this match.
2: How rare would the draw be in this? Adam and know Brandon then um, did a lot of like graphics of like how, how often you get non-finishes in like various companies. I know we covered all Japan and New Japan. Like, is, is it as rare as it you would assume it would be? You know, this type of
1: finish. Um, in all Japan, it was more more common before in, in like the seventies and eighties, like non-finishes would happen quite regularly because he right. he because you have to understand giant Baba had to to you know deal with a lot of big egos in mm-hmm. in, in all japan starting from like in the beginning having the you know mill and Daskaras work for him they're not doing any jobs necessarily for people like that's the reputation that both like no had you know um and then later on you have like okay, I'm going to have Rick, the touring NWA world champion Harley Race and Ric Flair come in here, have title matches against my guys. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of the times those matches did not end decisively. It, they were count outs or time limit draws. Um, you had, you know, infamously, Stan Hansen. Like, he, he was willing to do stuff for, for Baba he would not do for American promoters. Like, put people over if he was asked to. But you also have to understand who else is working for, for Giant Baba in the 80s. Bruiser Brody, <laughs> Abdullah the Butcher. Okay, these are these are wrestlers who are who who have like a lot of money placed in like in their aura. You know, Brody and Abdullah, I think especially, and you know, Giant Baba is a, is a promoter that they were willing to do business with if if it was only done sparingly, right? right. So a lot of times, Bruiser Brody is n- not putting over Jumbo Saruta or Tenru cleanly it it might be a draw it might be and then he has to protect his native guys he has to protect Henry. he has to protect jumbo so these are the things that kind of like baba did it's not until the 90s until like he sees the influence of like shoot style program promotions like uwfi oh they're making a lot of money because they're all doing clean finishes that he switches to an all clean finish style of booking which you know just drives business through the fucking roof in all japan in the 90s um and well you know like that's some kind of a theme i talk about when we talk about this this era of of all japan is like the the business just goes through the roof because it's it's all you you as a fan are expecting clean finishes in pretty much every match now regardless it has like your top foreign wrestlers of like stan hansen steve williams terry cordy in there with misawa Kawada, Tawei, Kobashi, or whoever. So this is rare. This is now. This is like the start of where Baba is going to go transition into this. This clean finish. Oh, uh, he's already started it. Maybe at this point as well. Like I don't know the exact timeline of it, but if you go into this match, like okay, Vader is the top guy uh, in 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 New Japan, literally because he's the Tideway champion, and Stan Hansen is probably. The second biggest star in all of Japan, next to Jumbo Serruda, in in on his on, on Baba's roster. You, you you as a wrestling fan, I'm, I'm sure like people like you know like at the time like let's talk let's just say Dave Meltzer. Dave Meltzer is not going to go tell you this is probably going to end up with a non finish because no one none of these guys can afford to lose. None of their promotions will allow them to put any one of the others over cleanly. And do I think Vader was going to put over Stan Hansen cleanly in this match? No. Do I think Hansen was going to be like, yeah, I'll put Vader over as, as a top foreign wrestler in all Japan. I'm going to put him. No, that's wasn't going to happen. Like I don't think there was any level of this where you would be able to get a clean finish agreed upon by anyone from the, from Baba, Anoki, Choshu, you know, who, Vader or Hansen himself, you know?
2: Well, that's kind of my, my thing. Cause it's like, you know, obviously the reaction is hugely negative but it's a loud, loud boo you get after this. Do you think are people angry at the, the fact just the match is over? Are we angry at the ref? Is it directed at the booking, the promotion? Like, what is that, you know, aimed at, I suppose? Like, what's your read on that?
1: I, I think it's just aimed at the the finish, like, not mm. to the any promotion. I don't think it's aimed necessarily at, at Vader or Hanson, per se. Right. I think people like even though kayfabe is pretty much intact still to some degree in the nineties, I think people have an understanding of like, you know, just seeing years and years of these kinds of finishes that, ah, okay. Like, you know, but if you, if we keep in mind that contextually there is, there is a trend towards having clean finishes, like right. I can understand maybe, okay. Oh, we didn't get the, the clean finish that we've been kind of been, you know, been, been given. Or in both both New Japan and, and all Japan at in you know at, at starting with this the beginning of this decade. So, yeah, I, but I I don't think it's it's directed towards the promotion. I don't think it's directed towards Sakura I don't think it's directed to the wrestling. I just think it's directed to this just the situation in of itself. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, yeah, I mean, and I don't think it necessarily. I suppose
2: it like I was thinking to myself, you know, does does it hurt the actually, even like from so star rating point of view, for it not to have fight defi- decisive finish I don't know if it matters so much because I think the match is that isn't it it's two equals going back and forth you know dropping bombs on each other and you know they leave the match kind of as equals so I suppose you don't have that satisfying one guy goes over the other but you still get the wild chaotic brawl that is this <laughs> match and if there was ever a match that Almost justifies that I think it's this one. Yeah, I know that's, that that is a thing. Obviously, you know that people all, all beat it with and you know knock half a star off or, or whatever. But yeah, I don't know if it. You know, maybe it's the fact that I, you know, I've seen it before and I'm, I'm rewatching it, but it didn't really bother me. You know, rewatching it here, it was, maybe it's the fact that I knew it was coming, but I don't think it kind of hurts the the story they tell in the match or or you know the, the way it ends. No,
1: I I mean I would if I was if I was to give this a star rating I'd probably go four.
0: Yeah, like a, a
1: a, a, four, a flat for just because of the the spectacle of it, of like the the context of like Hansen versus Vader, Hanson's from all Japan, Vader is the New Japan champion at the time, but um, yeah, it, it's it's a fun match. I just but I you know like nothing can like I still gotta say like yeah the, the finish is very very anticlimactic and it is what it is. Um, but you know like they they you know both guys you know, get back in the ring. Hansi gets back in the ring first and does his trademark youth, you know, with the, with the bulls, you yeah, uh, know, youth. And then, uh, know, yeah, he gets a chorus of booze <laughs> from the crowd, <laughs> which is funny. And then yeah. he just goes back to his dressing room and you can see, uh, one of his attendants that he goes back to the dressing room with is Kenny Kobashi, uh, here. And that's kind of cool to see. Wow. Um, uh, Vader gets back, gets back into the ring right after Hansen leaves and then he, with his arms raised he, he gets a much better response from the crowd right. because he is the he's the hometown champion yeah, I mean, and and it's yeah it's it's a it's a cool moment for Vader i think you know like you know if anyone deserved it in this match it's him he he he, he, he wrestled for another 10 minutes with with a deeply damaged eye you know that, that could have like gone horribly wrong you know, but it, it thankfully it did not. Thankfully it did not. And uh, yeah, I don't know, like, it, you know, just as a kind of closing notes, this was a big deal when this match was announced it's, you had the two top foreign wrestlers in Japan facing each other in a, in a, in a, in a super important promotional match that was for, again, I can't even stress this enough how important that it was for, it was not a non-title match. It was for the IWGP title and that you could have had the possibility of the top foreign wrestler of all Japan for wrestling holding the most prestigious title in New Japan at that time. Um, I, you know, again, like, you know, the double count out to be expected politically again, no one from the top, you know, the, the president of each company to the referee to, to Vader Hansen was ever going to say, yeah, Oh yeah. One of us, this guy should go over it, This guy should go over it. No, that was never going to happen. Um Yeah and uh i i think it's it's yeah it's a legendary match i think a lot of it has to do with the context of the positions of both vader and hansen at this time that it's a actually really stiff match and because vader's eye popped out during the course of it and he pushed it back in yeah yeah that's it it's it's
2: that it's the it's the story behind that well it's just a hell of a lot of fun isn't it just to just to watch these two go back and forth and just you know, true scenery basically, in you know, Philly's eighteen minutes with just wildness. Um, I was going to say, have you seen the WCW follow up to this? Because that's something I, 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 um, I had memories of and, uh, and revisited in uh, in prep for this. Uh, similar finish, not quite as memorable though.
1: I don't know with this. the with the Fujinami flare
2: match. Yeah, it's on. Yeah, it's Wrestle War ninety one. Um, the the show that's on. Um.
1: That's one of the stupid finish, stupidest finishes, Benham, Because they should have just put the belt on Fujinami and had him be the champion, and then lose the belt to Flair in America. You know, it would have strengthened their relationship with with New Japan. It would have given Fujinami, who, who didn't need more credibility because he was he was already a legend in New Japan at the time, but to you could have pushed him a bit harder to to American audiences. Like this is like the most you know the most popular wrestler. In Japanese wrestling, he's the current WCW world champion. He's going to defend the title against Flair in a rematch. I think they just had a decisive finish. It's it's really, I just think, you know, to get on that topic, it's really, it was a really dumb maneuver. But hey, dumb maneuvers by WCW brass, top brass. It's, in, it's 91. To be, in 91, it's to be expected. But a lot yeah. of the, uh, a lot mm. of the, the, some some amazing matches, especially between the juniors of New Japan and, and the cruiserweights of WCW, some, Fantastic stuff. Like, I still think the Shinjiro Otani versus Eddie Guerrero match, if you've never seen that, Venno, I highly recommend it. Oh, you're an Eddie Guerrero uh, denier. <laughs> Let's I not forgot. get into
2: that. I don't need any more
1: heat. <laughs> Listen, I will say this. L- 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 Latino heat, Eddie Guerrero, I'm not a huge fan of. I just think... This is, this, is where, this is where we agree, yeah. You know, like, that's where, for me, it's like, I don't have as much love for Eddie in that period. Even though he's the WBF champion at this point, you know... Mm. It's too, too gimmicky, too much to like, so I hate that character to be quite honest with you. I just think it's really a really terrible character. Um, but WCW Eddie Girl, I love New yeah. Japan, pro wrestling, Black Tiger Two Eddie Guerrero, I adore. I just, anytime he gets to fight, you need the juniors from New Japan, Liger, El Samurai, Benoit Malenko, yeah. um, you know, and Shinjiro Tani, Kochi Kanemoto, I absolutely love it. But, you know, maybe in the future, if I ever, when I, whenever I end up finishing this series, maybe I'll do my other great love, uh, which is 1990s New Japan junior heavyweight wrestling. Not the heavyweight wrestling, the junior heavyweight wrestling, I think is just as good as the All Japan heavyweight wrestling. But, uh, yeah, I think, I, I think we will wrap it up here. Any, any final thoughts about this match, uh,
2: Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say, like, it's an absolute banger. Like, the- Comparison I was going to make, like briefly, to that WrestleMania 91 match with the two of them. They try and transport this match to America and do a lot of the similar things, but with the audience not really understanding why it was important. You got got Jim Ross on commentary trying to explain, you know, what a big deal this match was in Japan the year earlier, and, you know, explaining how dangerous these two are. And they do a similar, I don't even know why they do it in wwe a a DQ brawl to the back. I'm not sure politically (laughs) that you needed to do that at that point. And it was quite interesting seeing them side by side. Okay, here's one where it really works, and here's the two of them on more of a night off where it doesn't. But... You know, this the 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 battery for you today, it, it's it's special. And you know, it might be because of those those real life reasons and the and the and the injury to Vader and the and the gimmickry surrounding that, or it's two, you know, heavyweights in there, you know, absolute prime. Blew my mind, by the way, watching this that uh, that Stan Hansen was forty-one, um, three years older than I am today, and he looks about seven. He looks like he looks like someone's. Gra- he always look like someone's granddad. did yeah. like, that that's Stan
1: Hansen? That's uh, <laughs> like In the, the seventies, he looked out. like in the seventies he like he was forty-five. Exactly, just, just yeah. A kind of weathered face that he has, the mustache. It's uh, it is it's, it's it's something to to behold.
2: Still a young man here, still in you know very much in his, uh, in his prime, I would say by by my standards. And yeah, yeah just seeing two heavyweights who are uh, massively over, you know, as foreign stars in Japan, just go at it really. And yeah, if anyone out there hasn't seen it, you know, hopefully we've done a sell job on it because it is it's no, something. Yeah, it's we'll, it's, like, it's you know, readily
1: that. available for you to watch for free anywhere. We'll have a link in the show description for this for this episode. But before we go, I want to make one quick note. If you're talking about like kind of interpromotional. Like foreign wrestlers facing each other, I think one of the best examples of that is the Steiner Brothers versus Stan Hansen. I don't know Steve Williams and Terry Terry Gordy in WCW because you had the top foreign tag team of, of New Japan and the Steiner Brothers taking on mm. the top foreign tag team uh, for 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 all Japan for wrestling meeting in WCW for WCW tag and and the individual tag team titles and and they they had decisive finishes in, in those matches because they were, you know, at that point, Gordon Williams are pretty much WCW contracted wrestlers. So they didn't have to really worry about Giant Baba too much. And, and signers were still considered, you know, like more WCW wrestlers, but they, they, again, they were the top tag team, in, you know, wrestling in, in new Japan in the nineties. So it was like, for me as a fan, who was like really starting to follow this stuff, I was like a way of being aware it's like, wow, that's, that's amazing that they're, these guys are having a series of matches against one another, And there's decisive finishes because Gordian Williams would get, know, get the upper hand in a lot of these matches.
2: Well, the one I remember is, uh, I was just trying to remember if it was from that show, but it is like one of the greatest WWE shows of all time. Beach Blast 92, the one with uh, Sting Cactus Jack on it uh, with the, the clothesline finish on the stage and Steamboat Rude in the Iron Man match. And yeah, they go on last. Don't be there, the Steiners and, uh, and Gordian Williams. That one, that one is a draw. Um, but yeah, you should review that at some point. We'll get you over on Grapple. We'll do yeah. it. Uh, we've been yeah. talking for years about doing a flashback on uh, Beach Blast going back to the uh, the Joe days. So that'll be a four months of visit. Oh, I've, I've,
1: yeah, I'd be up for that. Like, I think uh, I'd have to revisit that show, but I'm pretty sure I've seen it in its entirety and enjoyed it. But uh, it'd be nice to revisit it. But yeah, but um, yeah, we're we're going to wrap it up with here. I want to thank Beno. It's very late for him. By the way, so I, I thank I thank him for for staying up late to to do this match with me. And uh, yeah, next month we're gonna we're gonna have a special match. We're gonna do the anniversary of a very very important match in the history of not only all Japan for wrestling, but but in wrestling in general. And I'm not gonna necessarily reveal it right now, but I will reveal that our planned guest is gonna be the first appearance of. My Post Perez co-host and the the, the, head, the head cheese over at Post Wrestling, that's John Pollock. Um, and then when we are ready to announce the mess that we're going to review, we'll, we will do so. But I just have to formalize the dates of recording with John. And uh, he's very much up for it. He said, yeah, I'll do it. Let's do it. And so I'm very excited, Benno, to have like John on. Obviously, someone I, I talk to quite often on, on, on podcasts, but this will be... His first time here on the long and whiny railroad. I'm very excited oh, wow. to have his appearance here, uh, following Eddie Kingston and and you.
2: I was gonna say, I, I, I just realized I've got the, the mark pick of me and Eddie Kingston behind me on the desk in front of me. I've got my postcard of uh,
1: of John and my whoever became a post patron, you know, it, it's all, all synergy yeah? uh, it's all postcard, synergy, so. it, it's great, and uh, <laughs> I, lo- I look forward to like uh, us finally meeting in person, whether it's me coming to Liverpool to have some uh. You know, wet, uh, potato wedges over at the uh, the chippies, the Chinese chippies <laughs> in, in Liverpool, or you 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 coming over to here to Toronto, hang out with me, John, and the rest of the post crew, maybe the the BDE as well, and uh, yeah, like have done. some have some nachos and or poutine.
2: And, Boutine, a couple, and, and, and,
1: a, and a couple of beers so there you go
2: we'll oh, do that i just i just want to know what you'll make of the chinese chippies over here mate i think they'll blow your minds salt salt and pepper chips salt and pepper chicken spring rolls you've never you never hey, seen salt listen, alongside fish and chips it's gonna blow your mind i i
1: place complete trust in your hands and and in the hands of maddie edwards if, <laughs> if, if if i do not like it just be aware that you will get eviscerated on on air by me in the future days. Yeah. That's <laughs> happened to be more than one, so that's all good. I'm fine with that. <laughs> all right. So uh, thanks to everyone for for checking this episode out. Please go to store.postworthing.com. Get the long and winding railroad t-shirt, and there's we have black and white. If you know, buy, while you're there, buy some other t-shirts. There's the uh, Thompson Bushby and Thompson Adventures t-shirt that I have. I like wearing that. That's a fun t-shirt. The any of the uh, the post brand stuff like this you should wear oh, yeah. these are these are there they get the hats we got yeah tons of really great merchandise over at store.postwrestling.com you know not just for my show but like for tons of other shows as well please uh support uh, the, the, everyone at postwrestling.com and uh yeah Beto thanks so much and thanks to all the, the the listeners and viewers for for watching and listening and supporting the show and until next time I will say goodbye